0: Hey, hey! Welcome to the Phil Dreisel Show. This episode, we have John Steingard of Hawk Nelson, um, who very publicly uh, came out as deconstructing and caused quite a stir among a lot of Christian circles. And so, um, I'm going to chat to him and just hear his story and 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 um, give him an opportunity to share where he's at, what brought this about, and hopefully, um, yeah, encourage a lot of us who have been through or are going through uh, similar uh experiences so yeah let's dive in and see what john has to say hey hey how's it going yeah i'm good i'm good i've just had some friends over and i feel charged man like we've just been (laughs) locked down you know like and it's just like seeing seeing people is a rare thing these days except for on this you know which i know
1: this is uh, this is great right
0: so i i I like zoom one-on-one but like yeah. when you start trying to do your social groups on zoom and you're like dude just kill me you know you, I, no i've fun. never felt you feel like i miss my friends so much i give anything to see my friends and then they'll text you and be like let's do a group zoom and you're like kill me now no i don't want to and it's yeah. like how <laughs> can i have both those realities to be true at once
1: yeah yeah that's <laughs> awesome uh where are you where are you located exactly? manchester in england you're in manchester oh, okay yeah. cool yeah. yeah i mean i knew you were in the uk i just didn't know exactly where
0: Yeah. And where Um, are you? You're on West coast, right?
1: Yeah. So I'm San Diego. Um, just, just, just north of San Diego. Uh, kind of just before you get to Orange County. So perfect. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're (laughs) in a good spot We're we're about 10 minutes drive from the beach and we're in this town called Vista, which like was not really a cool place to be when we moved here. But uh it sort of suddenly became cool. You like, brought it up, like, man. Well, I don't I can't take credit for it, but like the there was this downtown area that used to be just like pretty rough and like there wasn't anything good there. And then since we we bought a house here like 5 years ago, and since then like all these breweries and restaurants and like cool shops have come in there. Nice. And like all of a sudden we're like, "Oh, this is like we're cool kind of there. in a hot spot now <laughs> yeah and we probably wouldn't try to afford a house here now so yeah exactly you've, you've done well at yeah. it yeah
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the right way to do it right
1: well i mean we just we stumbled into it it, it yeah. definitely was not like a strategic thing for us but i love it but yeah cool.
0: oh, California is one of you... my favorite places so yeah
1: oh it's great like man that. um i uh i've been to the uk i've been to london but it was like such a short trip that i right. didn't feel like i Got to really experience it. My wife uh, lived in Plymouth for a while. Okay, wow, yeah. So so she, uh, you know, she after high school, she wanted to experience some life outside the U.S. She was born and raised here in California. So she went and worked as a barmaid at a, at a bar in Plymouth for a while. That'll do it. So, That'll give yeah, you some life outside the U.S. It will, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Wow. Oh, that's awesome, man. Really cool. It's great to meet you. Yeah, I, you too, I'm really, man. So, Thanks for reaching know, out. I, I have to say, I, I, uh, we're just kind of rolling. I hope you don't mind. This when I said, "I'm rolling." Conversational I'm rolling too. Chill, I have
1: a, yeah, I have a C200 just like right up here that I'm, and I've got a boom mic here, and that is you sound great. Um, so, yeah. So that I'll send that to you after. List, but,
0: yeah. yeah, perfect. No, that's great. But uh, I have to say, I, I had never even heard of you. Now I don't know if it's because of my bubble within Christianity. To be sure. fair. The name of your your band was it your band? Did you have a band or was it just your yes. name? Yes, it was, a, like it was, it was called Hawk camp.
1: Nelson. That's the that's right. the name of the band, and for, that rings for, a bell.
0: Yeah. Well, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but it was a big deal, like for a lot of Christians. <laughs> I I assume that that's, you were you were on the scene, like people knew you, and for I, you to I guess
1: to a larger out, degree a than I thought. Oh. Um, yeah, I I've spent the last few weeks trying to ascertain why it was so. Uh, newsworthy, I guess. Right. And I feel like um, I feel like it's a couple of things. I think first, like there is, at least in America, if you were in youth group between the years like 20, you know, 2004 to like 2010, if you're in youth group in anywhere in America during that time, being raised as a Christian, then you probably had heard our music. Right. uh, And knew our band. Uh, It just, it was the sort of a cultural thing that just happened. We were right kind of music, right place, right time, and a lot of things connected. But a lot of people I find, like my age for instance, I'm 36, a lot of people I find, like, maybe listen to our first couple of records when they were in high school, but haven't thought about us much since. Haven't kept up, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's fine. I'm not the slightest bit offended by that. Right. Um, well, I think
0: all musicians to some degree have some awareness that there's definitely people that grab onto certain seasons of their work. Yeah. I mean, maybe some people like Coldplay or whatever, like maybe people stick yeah. around, but a lot of people it's like, Oh no, I like the earlier work or later work. Or, yeah. That was yeah. that season of my life. And probably even more so Christian, uh, maybe less. I don't know. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a musician. So I, I don't really get it. I do think much,
1: it but. was like a very specific period of time. And, and so people older or younger might not have the same, you know, like, yeah. familiarity. And then I also think it was a very American thing. Like, right. I do feel like they're, you know, like, I do feel like we, you know, we did travel outside the U.S. a good bit. But the sort of, you know, ubiquity of the name was, was really only in Christian circles in America, I feel like. Yeah. So, yeah. Have
0: you found that the... I know I'm jiving I'm in the deep end we, we, we could go, up, go for it. Bit, yeah but, that's fine but I'm just no, so fascinated I've got so many things that have just popped into my head that I've I've, I've been mulling over the last kind of couple of weeks since I did come across yeah. you sure um, yeah it, it fascinates me because it was the same deal with um uh, you know like a whole bunch of different people have come out that are mm-hmm. um kind of like fairly well-known names throughout kind of different portions of christianity but some of them, they're like, oh, I haven't thought of you in like 20 years. So I was thinking of Josh Harris as a great example where I'm like, right, yeah, right. Harris? Yeah, I remember reading his book. I'm like, he's still alive? Like, of course he is, right? I mean, a I, I haven't it's heard legit. from that guy but in a while. Like, wow, what's he been up yeah. to the last 20 years? Obviously something right. terrible and slipping down some terrible slippy slope. Uh, yeah, <laughs> But, you right. know, oh, oh, yeah. But then what has amazed me is I'm like, huh, a lot of people seem really upset about this guy that, they probably forgot existed for the last 15 years, but now they're yep. like beyond upset that he exists.
1: And I'm like, that's an interesting position to take. I, I think the reason for that is that, you know, for, for all of us, you know, uh, did you grow up in church or did you grow, oh, you yeah. grow up in a Christian Big home? Time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm a PK. So, like, so. so we're, oh, you're a PK too, so am I. So we're in the same boat there. Um, I think that for for people that grew up the way that you and I did, there were these very specific cultural markers that happened mm. along the way. And, and I think Josh Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye, that's like a very significant cultural Huge. marker. Because there was this whole purity culture of, at the time. And he wrote this seminal book that really caused a lot of people to be like, Yes, that's the truth. Dating is bad. I'm only mm-hmm. going to do courting. Which, like, to me, I even at the time, I remember reading that and being like, he's just describing, like, better dating, <laughs> you know? Or, like, not even better, but, like, a specific kind of dating. Yeah, yeah, a very, like, um Yeah, so, dating. yeah, so, but I feel like because there's these, like, that was, like, such a seminal moment for a lot of mm. people. Even if they sort of outgrew his specific way of looking at things, it when he comes out and says i no longer believe any of this stuff people feel like a part of their heritage has been challenged
0: yeah and like yeah. a
1: part of their upbringing and it it feels it feels offensive to some people in a way because because they feel like well that was part of the foundation of my yeah. my journey and someone that helped me build the I foundation of you. my house yeah. is now like pulling that foundation out from me. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why people sometimes have the reactions that they do.
0: Yeah, do you think that's it? Cause I mean, obviously for me, when I think of my journey in, in faith, it probably was around my teenage years, late teens that I was really, you know, that's the time of life where you start to realize I know everything. Like all the things <laughs> I've been taught yeah. so far are wrong and I can figure it out and I have figured it out and I know everything. Yeah in that season seems to be a lot of the people that we're kind of tracking with you is probably these people in that stage of life, youth groups, you know, maybe coming out into like maybe young adult, that kind of like yeah. age, finding you and going, this is amazing, these guys. And and you have impacted, they associate your songs and, and, and you know, hearing you speak in between songs at a concert or something, you know, sure, like that yeah. was a pivotal, massive moment in their spirituality. And then for you to turn around and be like, ah, you know, like, it's like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, what are you, what are you yeah, touching? Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating dynamic, though, like just watching that play out in in, in, in different areas because I, I have been yeah. fascinated. To, like, this is not a small movement. You know, you're looking at thousands of people a day leaving the, the American church. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to be conflated entirely with deconstruction and different things. I know a lot of people deconstruct and stay within sure. churches and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's not, a, it shouldn't be a surprise to people that this is happening. But yeah. what's fascinating is people do seem to latch on to like, certain individuals um and maybe it's the type of bubbles we live in but when I when I uh when you first posted your your original post like I said I, I hadn't maybe I'd heard of you but you hadn't stuck in my head I hadn't grown up on your sure. music or whatever being in yeah, Scotland yeah. or uh-huh. whatever as a teenager um sure. and yeah I got dozens of people messaging me going hey what do you think about this and I'm like it amazes me people send me that stuff anyway. I'm like, mm. who cares what I think? But uh, I was like, oh, I've got oh, to check you, it out. You've made,
1: you've made deconstruction, like, uh, you know, helping people through that process. You've made that like a, a thing that's a part of what you do. And, sure. and so uh, I... It, it makes surprise. sense. It does make sense. It doesn't surprise I me that people like, value ah. your thoughts on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. just funny.
0: Or even like, well, it's just some guy deconstructed. What do you think? What do you think I think? Like, I'm like, don't you well, know? Well, me?
1: I, I mean, great. that's how I felt. I was like... Like, the first couple of days, there was some waves, you know, in Christian music or whatever. Um, And that didn't surprise me, really. But about four or five days after I posted, uh, Fox News ran an article about me. And from that point, it just, like, it went all through the media. Like, CNN, New York Post, Huffington Post, Mm. USA Today. Like, I've lost track now. That's crazy. And I remember for a couple of days feeling like what did I just do like I felt like I had like I I thought I was just tipping over a domino and and it turns out there was all these other dominoes that I that I had inadvertently knocked over um and so the the scope of it got a lot bigger than I anticipated for sure how have you how
0: have you found that because in my experience um I mean, everyone and their moms kind of going through this process on some level, but it does feel like certain people within the Christian world that have maybe a slightly bigger profile or a bigger following or whatever, where it becomes a bigger deal. Sure. What's interesting to me is um, just like in everyone else's journey, different people kind of uh, quote unquote come out at different stages of the journey. Now, yeah, um, that's true. From For me looking on from a distance and just reading some of your things that you've written so far and things like that, I'm like, oh, okay, John's been... Going through this process for a little while he seems a bit matured in kind of some of his thinking and you know it's not like yesterday he had a I'm not sure I believe this and just came out yeah. which we have mm-hmm. seen in different groups and different people and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I think just different people process differently um but do you think do you think you were prepared for dealing with the the ups and downs and the, and and the different responses that you got or, or do you feel a bit like whoa this is way different than I thought, or bigger than I thought? Uh,
1: I felt pretty prepared. I, I definitely, like, the the deconstruction process for me has, it continues to be a process, to be clear. Like, I still am working through it, mm. but it had been in, in process for long enough, and I had, I had settled on a few it, core issues and sat on them for long enough that I was like, okay, this isn't just like a fleeting thing. Like, I really... I really don't think that I can say I believe some pretty core things about Christianity mm-hmm. now, um, and that sat. I sat with that for long enough that I knew it wasn't just a phase, and and that's when I felt like I needed to say something because I felt like by saying nothing, like I've had some people say, well, you should just process process this stuff privately, uh, and you shouldn't post about it because you're gonna draw other people away from Christianity, and mm-hmm. and. You know, to that I say, well, like I did process it privately for a few years, and and then it started to feel like by saying nothing, I was participating in a culture that Mm -hmm. said it's not okay to doubt, it's not okay to question. If you're starting to feel like your your heart is taking you in another direction, you need to be quiet about it. You need to sit down and shut up. And I I think that's a fundamentally harmful culture. And to be clear, I, I think there's a lot of awesome Christian pastors and leaders that would agree with me on that. That would, that yeah. would say yes, yeah. we, we don't, we don't want to lead a, a generation of Christians that are only there because they've been told they can't question it. You know, like yeah, I think most Christian leaders would agree with that. So, so I felt like this was me participating in like, there's all kinds of people that have these questions and that are having these doubts and processing these things, and. If I can find it in my power to do it a little more openly, then I think that can be helpful and constructive for people. Yeah. So that's absolutely. that's what I'm trying to do. And I I knew I was ready when I when I had this feeling that I could walk through this process without anger. Mm. Um, because sometimes when you see people deconstruct their faith, there's an there's an an element of anger. I don't know if you ever felt yeah, that. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I I did at times, for sure. Like, you know, there's so many reasons why you could find to be angry about it or bitter or resentful. But I felt like once I had worked through a lot of that stuff, um, I felt a little more ready to talk about it. And I think the place I'm coming from now is more like, look, like, life is hard. People suffer. Everyone suffers. No one is exempt, right? Mm And we're all trying to make sense of our suffering. We're trying to make sense of the good things in our life and the, the bad things in our life. And, and Christianity offers us an explanation for a lot of the questions that we have in life. Mm-hmm. And so when people struggle, it's, it's not surprising to me that the, the idea of a loving father, God is appealing. And it might even be helpful, uh, you know, I,
0: yeah, I'm sure it I, is for certain people at certain stages, possibly, forever. Yeah, I don't know, but
1: I've been contemplating that idea. Like, is, is it possible that there are things that aren't literally true, but, but can be helpful to believe? And mm. I don't have an answer to that yet, but that's what I've been contemplating recently.
0: Yeah, that's. That's that's good. We should we should definitely go into that at some point because be an interesting <laughs> philosophical but the problem, uh, exploration. the problem
1: is that once you get unplugged from the matrix, it's very difficult to go back. You can. Is mean,
0: yeah. I, mean, I was cipher managed right? <laughs> like I mean yeah, I had some sort of major issues or he <laughs> just wanted steak right? But um, it's 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 really. I mean, the amount of conversation. I daily have conversations. Dozens of people that are going through this and it's fascinating how many people say i just wish i could go back like I, they, they genuinely are like i'm actually really not enjoying this this, this is what people don't get It's like, so many different terms right oh they're just backsliding oh they just want an easier life for me right. But like, do you think this is easier like maybe yeah. for some but like not for a lot of people my don't entire to family alienate their Christian. family and yeah exactly yeah. their family their communities their their work their business you know like so much like this isn't a choice most people make intentionally, uh, you know, um, for a lot of
1: people, it's not, it's not a choice based on like, oh yeah, this is an easier path. Like, uh, cause sometimes people say, oh, you must have sin in your life. You must really want to sin. And that's why you're justifying it. You know? And I'm just like, I don't (laughs) think that's it. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely trying to figure out what's true. Yeah. And I'm very comfortable engaging with anyone who is willing to recognize that, no matter mm. what they believe. Like, like my dad, my dad is a pastor, very educated, he, he, is a do- he has a doctorate, you know um, he's studied the Bible and God his entire life. Um, and you know when we have conversations, he knows I'm not just trying to be difficult for fun, you know. Yeah he he knows I'm I'm searching for truth. And so we have a, a, a means by which we can have a conversation, you know? Yeah. Um. But if there's random people on the internet just spouting, you know, like just unhelpful accusations, then like we just don't have that much to talk about and that's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're always going to be there and they're going to be there for everyone, right? They will be on yeah. the side of every person, every ideology, every position, yeah. be someone there yeah. going, okay, let's pick a fight, you know, or let's, yep. you know, whatever. But yeah. So tell me, so, cause I, I know, I don't know much about you, but I, I'm assuming some of the people on the podcast don't know about, you. I'm sure loads of people on the podcast know way more about you than I do. Um, but how did you get from pastors, kids, who, yeah. whatever you are now, spawn of Satan, backslidden, heathen, you know, I don't <laughs> know, yeah, liberated, free. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, talk I, me through some of the journey.
1: Well, it's funny. Like even just like hearing you say those those labels. I I don't I don't know what to do with those anymore. Like like mm. people people ask me so do you consider yourself a Christian? And I, and I'm like part of me wants to say yes, mm. because I come from that tradition and it's a part of me um but, but then part of me goes, well, like all the things that you're supposed to believe when you're a Christian, there's a lot of those that I'd struggle to believe. So anyway, yeah. that's another conversation. But right. yeah, the the backstory is basically, uh, you know, raised in a Christian home in Canada, you know, God save the queen, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and you know, uh, a very charismatic background. So okay. uh, an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, on experiencing God, uh, on prayer and specifically intercessory prayer, um, so an emphasis on you know signs and wonders, healings, yeah, all that stuff that like plenty of Christians look at and go like, ooh, I don't know, right. You're
0: already on the fringe here,
1: <laughs> right, right. Which like you know, growing up, I didn't know that. Like I didn't, right, I didn't know it was like edgy Christianity. Um, but you know. To some, it was. Um, you didn't so have, in like, that...
0: intercity, like, youth group gatherings where everyone was like, oh, it's the Charismatics over there. You know, you're like, why is no one talking to us?
1: <laughs> well, the, we did have sort of, uh, you know, like, yeah, gatherings that involved lots of different churches. But, like, everyone, I mean, it, every, it was in Canada, man. Like, everyone was so, so polite, right? <laughs> so quiet about the differences. They'd be like, oh, don't talk about the fact that we believe something. Oh, that they, they don't speak in tongues over there. But, like, we're not going to talk about that, you know. But, uh, so I was raised in that environment and, you know, my musical education was, you know, worship music in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really good at the G chord. Yeah. Uh, so. You got your four or five chords uh, down, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got them down. So, uh, but then around the age of uh, 17, I started playing in like bands and I had, a, okay. you know, outside of church and had a lot of fun doing that. And then around the age of 20, I joined this band Hawk Nelson. Uh, it it was already existed, um, but they were still just kind of getting started. Right. And uh, I joined as the guitar player. And so for the first eight years I was in the band, I was the guitar player. And then in 2012, our singer left, and we thought, well, that that's it, that's that. Uh, but we had another friend of ours encourage me to step up from guitarist to singer. And so we tried that, and depending on who you ask it worked <laughs> um but we did another eight years and we did three more mm-hmm. albums and i was the main songwriter for that time uh and so really guided the the sort of the ship for for those eight years sure and um were you
0: still in the charismatic world behind the scenes you know so off the roads <laughs> you know where were you where were you at or what yeah, were you so- doing then
1: you know, the whole time I was in the band, I found it very, very difficult to uh, connect to a church. Um, we toured on the weekends. So we sure. were, almost every weekend we were gone. And then the the weekends that we were home were so rare that, like, the like, going and finding a church felt like a chore, yep. you know? Like, when you have a church and it's your home, going to church is not as much of a chore. Or maybe it is for some people, but I remember you know, during periods of my life where I really felt like I had a church home, there were a lot of things about church I really appreciated. Mm. Um, But in this season of Hawk Nelson, which was like 16 years, like I just, my wife and I could never find a place that felt like home. And I'm sure lots of Christians would look at that and go, see, there's your problem. You were unchurched for 15 years. Right. And you know, maybe they're right. I don't know. Mm. Uh, But uh, as I was you know, t- taking on the mantle of the main songwriter. You know, we're in Christian music. We're writing songs, and we we want to be successful. And in that in that space, being mm. successful, I really do believe comes comes by serving the audience well. Mm. Um, and and the audience, what they're looking for is not like wishy washy songs that might be about Jesus or might be about a girl. Like at that time in culture, like Christian music listeners wanted like solid songs about God and his love for us. And so, you know, we started writing more stuff like that. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be writing stuff like this, I need to like really understand. And so I started reading way more. I started uh, looking for inspiration in all these Mm. different books and like in, you know, various places in the Bible. And the more I dug into things, the more I was sort of like, I don't know, there's some weird stuff here. And then there's some stuff that I have a hard time glossing over. Right. Um, you were like, how do of... I
0: work in like genocide and infanticide into this song about love? Right. Yeah. That's
1: tough. That's <laughs> it's, tough. It's a tough and, verse, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I had all these questions that began to bubble up and, and there's two tracks you know, to, my deconstruction, I think for a lot of people, this is true. Maybe it's true for you, but there's the like intellectual side Mm -hmm. and then the, there's the experiential side. And so like I was, I was deconstructing my faith on both of those tracks simultaneously. So like I was, you know, reading a lot of things that challenged my preconceived notions of what my beliefs, beliefs were, but I was also experiencing things that, that challenged my beliefs too. And, um, and you know we can get into a, any of those things that you want to. I'll I'll, I'll let you sort of sort of sure. guide the conversation there here. So
0: that sounds good. Well, what? So when you talk about the, your experience, because I think I've had a lot of people talk on about the theological, and I think we all get bogged down on these um, topics of the intellectual stumbling it's blocks. It's very easy but- to get stuck. Yeah. And and it, and there's definitely common threads. Sorry, so me joking about like, well, God's like murdering left, right, and center and like commanding horrible things and or rape and things. Those are really common threads that everyone at some point goes, What what do we think
1: about this? You know Yeah, and, and like and slavery is fine all the way through the Bible too. Totally chill. Yeah.
0: Even right into the New Testament, it's like, are we gonna yep. talk about this yet? No, we'll we'll leave it for another fifteen hundred years. They'll get it eventually. Yeah. Right? We'll let them really ramp this up before we deal with it. Um, yeah. so, you know, there's there's common themes there and, and yet there are probably people's individual, you know, um, everyone has like a kind of like speciality where they go, no, no I really got bogged down on this topic, but, well, but you can use people have, people kind of the have their things.
1: favorite issues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: of course. But what fascinates me is the experiential side. So like,
1: mm. let's
0: go into that first. Like what, sure. what was it that you were experiencing that was going, this doesn't add up or this doesn't yeah. seem to, to click for me?
1: There were a a number of things, and of course, like, when you start talking about the experiential side, it's very easy for people to respond with intellectual responses, Mm -hmm. and so so I'm aware of a lot of those responses, but just know I find them mostly very dissatisfying, so um, there were a number of experiences that I can, I mean, it was a progression for sure, but, uh, you know, like, one that sort of was a very early on one for me, was in 2007, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that uh, same-sex marriage was legal. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big win for the uh, LGBTQ community. Huge. And I remember feeling like, this feels like a good thing. Like, I wanna, like in my gut, like I I wanna celebrate this because it feels Mm. good but there's no way i can say anything positive about this publicly without totally losing my career
0: yeah yeah
1: and and i remember just noticing that disconnect and not being sure what to do with it and and you know same-sex marriage is not necessarily like the crux of my deconstruction but it was a point that i noticed um but a a really big one was when i i this, uh, documentary on this people group in Uganda. And, Mm. and I'm totally aware of the trope of like, you know, a white dude goes to Africa and then comes back super disillusioned about what he saw. Like I aware, I'm aware that I'm playing into that trope for sure. But I did see things that changed my perspective. I, I saw... I saw suffering on, uh, on a scale that I, I had never seen before. And I had a really hard time reconciling the idea of an all-powerful, all-loving God mm. with the suffering that I saw. And, you know, like, I grew up in this charismatic environment where it was like, God is so loving and so attentive to us that he answers even our smallest prayers. Like I pulled into church this morning and I was late and I didn't think I'd find a parking spot and I prayed, God, give me a parking spot. And there one was. And so like he answers those prayers, but like these people are suffering in ways that are unimaginable to me and God's not answering those prayers. And that was really hard for me to deal with. Um, Mm. And I know there are intellectual answers to to, the problem of evil.
0: Always someone's got some way to rationalize it. but.
1: But I just remember being there, being like, okay, either there's a lot I don't understand about God. Or is a simpler explanation that he's just not there and that i feel like is what really kicked off like the the biggest sort of season of deconstruction for me sure
0: what what was that like because i know for um i i'm not massively in touch with my emotions like something called alexithymus so i don't know what emotions i'm having until after the fact i have to like Look really go, huh i was angry then or i was upset or sad or so That's i really I, interesting in my deconstruction was very intellectual okay. i went through a lot of experiential stuff and a lot of emotional stuff but i can only really kind of like recognize that on um on looking upon it rather than in the moment so so for me like because I, I, I deal with people week in week out, i'm working with hundreds of people and talking them through this process and helping them and guiding them so i can I, i'm very aware of the process and i'm very aware that for the vast majority of people like those moments are huge, but for yeah. me, I, I didn't experience that as much. I'm always fascinated by people's like. So that's that,
1: interesting. So your your deconstruction was more intellectual, and the experiential side sort of came in later for you. It
0: it was experiential for me. So the thing is, I get sad, I get happy. I just don't know I'm those things until later.
1: Whoa, so I I, okay. I only
0: on upon looking back, or my wife will say to me, Phil, are you okay? You feel you you just feel a bit down. And I'm like, huh. And I'll like kind of think about my day and I'll be like, yeah, I've been really low all day.
1: Gosh, that's really interesting. interesting. So, so
0: it, it it was a very emotional process for me, the deconstruction, but I wasn't as in tune with it and aware of it. So it's only in in kind of looking upon it and going, Oh yeah, I guess I was really upset by that. Or I guess I was a little scared by that or whatever, Mm. but I'm always fascinated by people's journeys. Cause to me, um, I guess I didn't have that awareness in the time of just how Mm. X, Y, or Z that moment was, but it feels to me that what you're saying there of like, just even entertaining in your heads. Okay. One of the options here on the table, and it feels like a pretty solid option is there's no gods. What did that do to you emotionally? You know, what what does that look like?
1: I, I love the way you described it as entertaining because that's what it felt like, uh, I remember coming back, processing a lot of that stuff. And then I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to let myself not believe in God for a week. And just, it's almost like, just like try that idea on and see what it feels like as I go through my life. Fingers
0: crossed it doesn't come back this week, right?
1: Right, right. (laughs) So, so I remember like, and I remember like, my, like for years, I've, I remember saying like, I don't know how people get up in the morning if they don't believe in God. Like, I don't know how you get out of bed. Um, and, and then sure enough, I find myself in that exact position where I'm like, mm. okay, for this week, I'm going to let myself not believe in God. And it did throw me into like a, a pretty deep depression. Wow. Because when you're, when you're, When you've based your whole life on a set of beliefs and and then you set them aside there's a period of time where you have nothing and if those beliefs were the things that gave your life meaning and purpose then you've lost that too and there's this sense of like meaninglessness and nihilism that can Mm. that can just rear its head very quickly and it wasn't until i i discovered existentialism that that I was able to sort of like get my feet under me again and uh, you know for, for those listening I'm sure a lot are familiar with existentialism but it's the idea that that life has no inherent meaning but you 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 have the ability to create meaning for yourself so like mm-hmm. Camus is someone that I like Albert Camus is, it was a writer that I really appreciated from that perspective and mm. um and uh i don't know if you're familiar i think you're probably familiar with peter rollins uh but yes yeah he he talks about Camus a, a good bit so yeah. um but this wasn't in the space of that week right it wasn't like on like by wednesday
0: you were reading Camus, right no it, no it was no, kind no of it, a longer it, process for you
1: yeah i i i said okay for a week i'm not gonna believe in god but that kicked off this whole process right but I remember at the end of the week, I'm like, it's almost like I jumped back to believing in God again because it was familiar. I was like, I, was, I remember even like having dinner with uh, the guys in the band because they knew I was, mm. you know, I have, was talking with them about this stuff. And like, you know, we had dinner together and I, and I remember telling them like, don't worry, guys, I believe in God again. Uh, <laughs> and they were, you know, like, I think relieved, I guess. Um, sure. But they were very patient with me, too. Um but, but I felt like as time went on, I was like, okay, I'm clinging to this idea of God because I'm terrified to let it go. Not, not mm. because I really truly believe and I'm really open to the idea that, that God may be real. I I feel like I have to keep that on the table in order for me to be like honest with myself. Sure. But I, I find myself, I, I gradually found myself settling into this place where I'm like, okay, there's a lot about the Bible that that doesn't make sense if you're interpreting it as the perfect word of God. You know, mm. if, if you interpret it as people trying to understand their existence and trying to understand why life looks the way that it does, all of a sudden the Bible is a lot more interesting. Yeah, way more. um You know, so... I started to settle into some of those types of positions where i'm like appreciating some of the things about christianity but but not feeling trapped by them anymore Mm. um and and it wasn't until i kind of got to that place where i felt like i could talk about it without just losing my mind yeah
0: so when give me a ballpark like you're talking about this kind of season what kind of year is this so you took over as the lead singer in 2012 right
1: I became the lead singer in 2012. Uh, yeah, so I, I started. I started sort of wondering about some of this stuff while we were working on our last record, which was 2017, 2018, okay. and then I did that trip to Uganda at the beginning of 2019. Right. And okay. that was where I was like, like right. that
0: was a real catalyst for you.
1: Yeah, that was. That was where, and so I should say the other thing that happened that was significant was I had I had told the guys in the band that I wanted to step back from the band and not tour so much. Um, I've got two kids now. I didn't wanna travel as much as we'd been traveling. I had been doing video production on the side and that okay. business was growing. And so I was like, I would I would love to do more of that and less of the band. And so we sort of set a date at like the beginning of 2019 That was when we were going to sort of like step away on a semi-permanent basis with like a sort of asterisk of like, who knows, right? But like, but basically at some point, yeah, yeah, we were sort of unofficially like quitting. Sure. And so 2019, the beginning of that year was when I went to Uganda and had that experience. But the other thing that happened right then was that I no longer felt the pressure to be a Christian singer which meant that like i wasn't under the the pressure to be like a professional christian anymore sure yeah and so it opened up a space to go like well what do i believe Mm. and i think there was a lot about that question that i had been scared to address yeah for fear that i would lose my livelihood
0: yeah you yeah. Know. And that's really like, that makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of people poo poo, like pastors and different people. And I'm like, I talk to these people behind the scenes. Trust me. <laughs> there's a lot of them going through this and they literally yes, and- straight out of college, not even sometimes even out of college, sometimes straight out of high school. They're like maybe the pastor's kid and they just get the church. <laughs> Welcome to nepotism, you know, but like, they're like, I have no qualifications aside from running a church. I have no experience aside from running a church. I have a mortgage and I've had a really good salary, you know, generally speaking, Uh who's gonna pay me sixty grand with no experience and no qualifications in any other field other than pastoring now that I've gone through a complete deconstruction and you go, dude, I don't know what to even like. Yeah, I know. I mean, what are you what are you supposed to do? And so when you're left in that position where your your professional income, your 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 daily bread, your rent, your kids, you know, getting to eat every day is I have to look like a Christian for people. Like, that's a hard place to be.
1: I feel so much empathy for Mm. pastors, for Christian, you know, celebrities, um, because they are in a position where they're like, they can't really question stuff. No. You know? um, Well, they're
0: the people with the answers on the whole.
1: It's it's not even
0: like, that's a terrifying thing. When the person you go to for the answers is going actually i'm not sure that's one thing that's scary just to have a leader saying i'm not sure about that whole nother thing to go i'm actually not sure about much these days i'm yeah. questioning everything like yeah you're giving other people existential. never mind, your own existential crisis right you know yeah. you're, you're giving other people an ex- it's
1: and i i do trouble. notice too that like this is just my gut feeling so i'm sure plenty of people will argue with me anecdotally on this but i do notice that when someone voices questions and doubts
0: Mm.
1: I feel like someone who's very secure in their faith tends to respond to those questions and doubts with a lot of grace and a lot of kindness. And, mm. and, and I've, I've seen plenty of that. But I've also seen people that respond with absolute vitriol. Yeah. And, and anger and like, how dare you? And my suspicion is that those people are responding that way. Because something about the questions deeply terrifies them. And, and maybe they find the questions legitimate. Or maybe they have their own questions and doubts. And their, their response, I suspect, has very little to do with me. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm the questioner in this scenario. I think it has, it has everything to do with them feeling threatened by these things because they're not secure in their belief system either you know and they're going on some level consciously or unconsciously they're like yeah that that question's kind of a big problem but if i don't have an answer to it it threatens my livelihood it threatens Mm -hmm. my belief system and so when people feel threatened they lash out
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: something that happens a lot yeah
0: yeah well you see it again and again and and you see it in big leaders as well who should probably mm-hmm. be the most secure the most you know well known they know everything you know like they've studied this they've got their doctorates and master's degrees they've been teaching it for 20 years but one other person that's a big enough deal that enough people might listen to this person and i bet i get on twitter and tweet farewell right Robelle, or whatever you know it's like oh, oh I, you can go oh that says a lot more about that you tweet. than it says about rob right yeah that doesn't yes, really say does. much about rob at all but it says, says yeah. you're scared yeah. You're really, really scared right now that you have to write someone off so your audience doesn't listen to him. And I
1: also think, yeah, sure. Uh, I think there's also like a false dichotomy going on there. Like I think a lot of like believers that respond to someone who's deconstructing their faith. Uh, I'll, I'll, like let's take Rob Bell for an example. Like a lot of people have criticized Rob Bell and say like, and said, like, hey, you're leading people away from God. Mm-hmm. And and my response to that is like, I actually feel like Rob Bell for me has been someone who's allowed me to find new ways to think about God. Yeah. Uh in instead of the alternative being nothing. Right? <laughs> and so, like, and so I would say to a lot of you evangelical Christians, like, Rob Bell, from my perspective, is not leading people away from God. he's looking you know he's speaking to people who would otherwise not be willing to believe at all, yeah. and he's going like, "Hey, there's more going on here. there's something about the human story that's connected to this sense of the infinite, and if you aren't willing to look at that, you're missing part of the beauty of life and Um, and I appreciate that approach, you know, like Mm, I go to Rob Bell when, when I'm in these, you know, like when I read Richard Dawkins and Christopher, you know, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris, even though I really love those guys, Mm. there's a, there's a, sometimes a bit of a coldness to pure Mm -hmm. reason and logic that doesn't feel like it explains life completely to me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find that I'm like, there's something there's something missing in that perspective and people like Rob Bell and Peter Rollins and Bradley Jersak and, and you know, guys like that are who I go to when I, when I feel like I want, I want to still believe in something. I just don't know what that is yet. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Huge. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. Have you, have you studied any kind of um, models of like psychological development, something like spiral dynamics or literally? Okay. Okay.
1: I literally discovered spiral dynamics like a week ago.
0: Oh, wow. Awesome.
1: And my mind is blown. Just, (laughs) just blown. Like I explained it to my wife yesterday and she was like, that sounds really complicated. And I was like, "It, it, it is, but if you get your head around it, it explains so much.
0: Yeah, I mean every yeah. model is flawed, but it's uh, yeah. it's a pretty great model. Um, yeah. I, I spent a couple of years studying it, and I put out a teaching series. Now, so like, I'll just bash out a rough framework so people can see how it affects. Um, christianity and faith and what yeah. it might look like at different stages and it ended up being like 17 hours so of course yeah because it's, just it's like complex. endless endless uh, but at the same time you could just roughly get a rough just but i think the, yeah. the, the reason i brought that up and i just didn't want to bring because a lot of people that listen to my podcast have heard me ramble on about this forever okay cool um, but i wanted to make sure that you would it, it might be an interesting way to frame it but oh, i think so people people that are like um so Insistent, someone like rob you're leading people away you're 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 you know walking off the cliff or whatever when you're at stage blue traditional whatever you call it um you're you're so black and white because you need safety certainty and security and there's these black and white dualisms required for us to be safe and secure we need to be on the in crowd the safe crowd the secure crowd the right crowd and everything else regardless of nuance is wrong it's out yeah Um, and so the thing is There is no other way to talk about God. There is no other way to engage with God. Our Mm. way is the way you engage Mm. with God. And it's only as you start to break out of that model, you start looking at your maybe more uh, modern stage where you become more rational. You you start to trust yourself and not just other people that claim to be authorities or, or you look for authorities that actually have credentials you know or right, <laughs> know right, what yeah. they're talking about you know um, uh-huh. and, and you start to go oh yeah interesting and then you look to someone like rob who's going oh let's like maybe more green even maybe yellow in a lot of ways and you know yeah. looking at things much more openly much less dualistically um but you can't have a conversation between those two groups in a sense you can um or at least there's you'll, you'll there's, sit-
1: there's always going to be a disconnect yeah yeah and and, um. and
0: it's one thing for when people have developed enough to maybe be to like later stages, yellow, integral stage, they can rationalize and see the stages people are at and, and come and meet them where they are. And, mm-hmm. and if you've seen Rob do interviews, he does this really well, much yes. to his uh, pain and, and the limitations of what he's given. Um, but when you see him sitting down in an interview and they have brought in someone that's very stage blue to have a conversation, Rob can handle that on some level, but he's also aware this is never going to go well for me. This is never yeah. going to lead because the other person at stage, they can only talk about the Bible as an absolute word of God. They can only talk yeah. about these things as if there's a black and a white and an in and an out. And so Rob's immediately using language that just is a completely different language.
1: Um, yeah. and so I just think, and with, it's, it's, it's just speaking impossible to it. people who are ready to hear it. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like I remember I, I actually met Rob years ago at a, at a, a show um, there was this big Christian tour called Winter Jam that we were a part of, and we played a show in Michigan. Now, this is back before Love Wins. It's okay. back before before the church basically disowned him. Sure. Uh, but I remember he was invited to come and speak at a little chapel, and um, he... I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he gave us this little message, and it basically... I don't remember what the message was either, but but at the beginning he he like instead of giving a sermon or a message what he did is he got up and he said you know there's this been there's this thing i've been thinking about and honestly it's kind of messing me up and i want to tell you cuz i want it to mess you up too and 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 then he began to tell this biblical story and i i don't remember the story and i don't remember the point either but i remember walking away being like I have never thought about the gospel that way. And and I remember just being like it was a moment where I was steeped in, you know, if we're talking spiral dynamics, mm. I was steeped in blue and he was showing me something orange. Yeah. And maybe a little green, but mostly just orange. Yeah. Um cuz I think he got greener later. Um And 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 also maybe
0: as well, just a side point, but it goes right back to one of the things you said right at the beginning. I think Rob's a lot more aware of where his audience are and therefore what they need. So we were talking about, can you teach someone something unhelpful, but actually it's the most helpful thing they are ready for and it is helpful for them. And so he's going into somewhere that like, it's like, oh, this place is blue as hell. Like, I'm not going to go in there and start, you know, teaching about, you know, like, I don't know, put down your guns, you know, stop voting right-leaning, no, I don't he's know, save the whales. In. He's going to go, okay, how do I just start tiptoeing into the well, next thing? Like,
1: well, I felt like he came in and just went like, oh, so you guys think that your thought process is super ordered and that you have all the answers? How about this? Boop. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walked out. Uh, and, and I remember, like, just being like, Oh there's more going on here. There's more to wow. this story. Um but yeah, I I, cool. I think that um I think that dude spiral dynamics is I mean, I'm in the middle of it blowing my mind right now. So um I, I feel like I have I have more to learn about it, but it, it does cool. help explain a lot of the stuff that I've experienced and a lot that I've seen. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. What are you what are you reading and, and, and watching and stuff to, to learn?
1: Well, right I I'm consistently in this place right now where I'm trying to simultaneously read very contrasting points of view. Awesome. Um, because I'm aware that if I just read certain things, I will, I will be drawn in that direction. Um, so right now, I'm, I'm, simultati- I'm, I, I'm simultaneously reading uh, Sam Harris. Uh, I'm reading a, a letter to a Christian nation Okay. which is a short book. Um, and I'm also reading Carl Sagan, and I'm also reading Richard Dawkins' uh, The God Delusion, which is dense, a little yeah. boring sometimes. I don't uh, find Dawkins
0: ar- to be a convincing atheist. Uh, this is a it's, really convincing atheist argument for many people, but I don't find yeah. Dawkins to be the best at laying well, it out. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know if I've like got an opinion on his... Uh, like. A, effectiveness as an atheist yet but but it's just not that exciting to read mm. um like some other thinkers like when i read sam harris i'm like i feel like my mind is being expanded when i read yeah. sam harris yeah when i read dawkins i feel like actually the it's opposite shutting down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, so what's happening? so so i'm reading that but then i'm also reading ravi zacharias Okay. Uh, I'm reading uh, uh, this this book called Total uh, so called True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. Um, and I do this a lot. Like I read like six or seven books at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going. See which one grabs
0: you or whatever. It, yeah. yeah, just run with it. Uh,
1: I'm going back to um, uh, the Idolatry of God by Peter Rollins. I've read uh-huh. that one before, but I'm sort of rereading it. Um, what we talk about when we talk about God by Rob Bell, Mm -hmm. kind of skimming, I've read that before, but I'm skimming it again. Um, believe it or not, I'm actually like, I'm reading the Bible more recently. Yeah. Um, cause I've just, I'm seeing it with fresh eyes. And, Mm. uh, so like, um, looking at a lot of the Psalms, realizing that a lot of the questions I'm asking were asked by people in the Bible. God, where are you? You know, um. Reading Ecclesiastes is, is, is like that, you know, reading Job is hard, but, but sort of like challenging. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of all over the place right now.
0: Yeah, it sounds it, it sounds it, but that's good. I like that. I like, I think there's a, an importance to kind of not just kind of narrowly kind of like funneling all of our growth into like one kind of, which I think we as a, as a good evangelical growing up, I probably did that way too much. And then I started to get, I just got a bit bored if I'm not reading something that's different mm-hmm. and interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. So who, who were some of your big kind of um, and this might play more into the kind of intellectual side than the yeah. experiential side, but sure, that's who fine. were some of the people that were starting to really shape your thinking as you were deconstructing it, or at least kind of um, soothe the, the itch or <laughs> give you some answers Yeah, that you were like, at least along the journey, you were like, "Oh, actually, that does make me feel a bit more content, a bit happier." It gives me some sort of directionality. Or, well, I know we've goes? already
1: talked about Rob Bell. That was a he was a big one for me. More on the like, I like I sort of said before, like, like more on the side of like, I needed new perspectives on God in order to be able to hold on to the idea of God at all. You mm-hmm. know, Um, and so with Rob, I feel like he does a good job of of not always explicitly saying exactly what he thinks about, you know, like he doesn't really a- address apologetics really. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's very intentional. And sometimes with him, I'm sort of like, why don't you just like talk about it? Like, what do you think? But now I understand he's trying to leave room for different people to have different experiences, lead them in different directions. Yeah. And those directions could be different, but still healthy for people. Um, so. So, Rob Bell was definitely, you know, one of those people that I read. Um, uh, Brad, uh, Bradley Jersak wrote this book called Her Gates Will Never Be Shut. It's great.
0: Really and good book on
1: Hell. Yeah. Because I went through a phase where, like, heaven and hell was was a very... Uh, it was something I wanted to understand better. Um, and that book helped me see that, like, there there are actually three views to you know what hell might be and and there's sort of scriptural evidence for all three and in that book he he sort of makes the conclusion that like if you want to believe anything specific about hell you have to prioritize certain scripture over other scripture there's no getting around that um and and that's been a theme that i've seen with everything to do with god Mm. it's like there's so many possible interpretations um that that like in order f- to believe anything in particular you have to like prioritize certain ideas over other ideas and that makes me go like we all just come back to our experience don't you think yep. like what have i experienced in life and what do i believe based on those experiences and then we go and f- rationalize then we go and find scriptural you know support for what we emotionally and experientially believe
0: yeah it's a fascinating dynamic when you look at oh there's three options here and yeah so on some level i'm choosing which one makes the most sense to me which verses i like which which makes me feel more comfortable but asking the question so why if i had these three options laid out on the table um i being maybe christianity as a whole through the ages why have i on the whole through the movement of uh Protestantism is at least why did we settle on this one? What is our makeup? What is our thinking? What is our view of God and ourselves that went, that's the best one. Let's go for
1: half the
0: vast majority of people burn forever in their own fat. That sounds great.
1: That's a really good question. Like what draws us to the idea of eternal conscious torment? Yeah. And I mean, I have a guess. My my guess is that people they they accept specific beliefs in God and heaven and hell because it provides an answer for a question that they have. Mm-hmm. So like so I, I can imagine and you know, you feel free to push back on me or, 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 or give me your thoughts on this, but I can imagine that you know for for a large part of the Bible. It's written from the perspective of the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the, the Hebrews were constantly being conquered, enslaved, experiencing oppression. Um, the early Christian church experienced persecution and oppression, according to the New Testament. Again, like, you can get into the merit of the writings. That's a separate sure. conversation. But, um, but the Bible is very often written from the perspective of the underdog. And so what is the underdog experiencing? The underdog is experiencing oppression, people treating them badly. Um, And very often, like, you know, Chris Rock has this joke, you know, he he says, you know, everyone always says, oh, bad people, you know, they're gonna get theirs. And Chris Rock is like, no, they ain't. Sometimes they don't get theirs. And that's the story of the underdog. Like I can imagine whole groups of people being oppressed and noticing that like their oppressors never experience consequences. They get away with it. And so mm-hmm. I could understand why they would be drawn to this picture of like, well, in eternity, those people are gonna go to hell and burn forever.
0: Yeah. And uh, we'll finally get our rewards that we never And got we'll
1: about. get our reward in heaven. And and so that's an example of a dynamic where I can see I can see why people chose to believe in that idea of heaven and hell because it it felt like justice yeah. in a time where they didn't feel like they were experiencing justice yeah and and i i that makes sense to me you know yeah. i mean that's
0: one of the main narratives throughout the old testament you mean you mentioned Job, justice. i mean half the half the prophets are going god what the fuck like we're being good, and we're getting shit all over. And then you got all these terrible people, and they're just like living it up in mansions, and like you know yeah. have their you know a hundred concubines and all these cows and camels and all the things that everyone wants in life—cows and camels. Yeah, um, like that's, that's terrible to me. Concubines as well. I'm like, no, 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 too much. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Right. Um, but like you know, it's like, what is this? You know, and and what's interesting is they don't particularly have a, a that kind of view of the afterlife for quite a long time. It takes a long time for them to. Yeah rationalize this together that's what's quite fascinating to me to me i'm like that's kind of fairly obvious primitive answer um in my mind i'm like well yeah let's just create an afterlife bad people go there they suffer we go to a good place that makes me feel better definitely eases us up it's a great solution if you if you want to spread propaganda as a powerful bad person i would definitely get that in the mix because it it allows people to be like ah yeah okay well they are bad and they're not getting their des- what they deserve and but there's no point in rising up we'll get ours eventually and they'll get theirs eventually mm. i don't know <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, That's interesting dynamic i hadn't anyway. thought about it in that um, light before yeah. when you look at how terrible most of the leaders were <laughs> throughout the history of right. Jewish, um, culture um in the bible's times anyway. um but yeah it's, it's really fascinating it's it's and it and it highlights did you ever watch kevin miller's hellbound
1: no i didn't
0: you should go check it out it's, it's yeah. fantastic it's a documentary he talks to like a million different people you know he talks to brad juror's featured heavily on it different people oh, michael cool. harden those people but he gets other people like mike bickle mark driscoll i mean like really it's fantastic asking them all about um how you know how and what what do you think what what are different views what do you think about these different views and um and different things but he he really hammers home like I think. Well, he, I don't know if that was his intention. I won't say it's his intention. I had him on the podcast. I probably should have asked about. It. I was talking about sure. a new documentary called J E S U S A. Talks about the conflation of Christianity and American. Wow. Americanity. What a really what a really title. good documentary. It's amazing. Genius. That's um, a
1: brilliant title. Oh, that's poignant.
0: It's, it's worth checking out as well. It's, it's like yeah. eight dollars or something to to buy right now on like yeah. or whatever. But um. Uh, but so I, I was talking about that and and the violence and and all sorts of different stuff and nationalism rather than hell because uh, that's quite an old documentary but the thing that really sparked for me was just realizing how how revolutionary restorative justice is mm. still mm-hmm. even though it was a very clear theme running through some of the bible and being mm-hmm. explored philosophically at that time especially by christians which you would yeah. argue is the Underpinning of Christianity is a concept of restoration rather than yeah. punishment, um, but it's still revolutionary for us even today. Like that's the biggest kickback when you start talking about how and dismantling it is. We go, but we need people to be punished. We need right. people to burn. Like, what right. about Hitler? What about that pedophile? What about that rapist? What about that murderer? We cannot fathom the concept of them being restored and healed and and getting getting theirs yep. being a good thing, um, yeah. and. And And it even
1: you know even for believers like, like there like it there's a there's a verse that talks about you know I can't remember the reference but it's you know in Christ you know He will reconcile all things unto Himself. That's a pretty like clear statement. Yeah, it feels very universal. Yeah, he's saying all things will be reconciled to to and so like all things like everyone everything. That seems to be what it's indicating, and and you know, if for yeah. it's it, it is funny when you make biblical arguments because I feel like it's a little unfair because I, I don't look at the Bible as the literal word of God, so someone can't use it against me as an argument. Right, but, but you're still I'm
0: talking, point it there thing. <laughs> but if <laughs> they <this> believe
1: <laughs> if they believe that the Bible is the like inerrant word of God, then I can use it. In an argument against them, so it's sort of unfair. Like I have a tool yeah, that they don't have funny. in these conversations. But, but that's a that's really fun That's the benefit, I guess, of taking the position that I've taken. So yeah, yeah.
0: So how, how have you found? Um, obviously, this is something that you've done quite publicly recently. Is kind of come out yeah. and, and do this process, but presumably, you know, you've been walking this out with people closer to you in your life. You know mm-hmm. how was this for your wife i'm assuming you know i'm assuming you're a good christian boy and you got married and you know and like you know so like assuming she's got some sort of faith how yep. is it for your family mm-hmm. you know your your it's yeah. like it, it feels like in my experience it can be a very problematic um it can conflicting be for sure. and, situation
1: and there are there are elements of it that have been really challenging for my family um Luckily, like my wife is in the exact same place that I am. Wow. She is also a pastor's kid, also raised in a charismatic environment, you know, also is going through her own process of deconstruction. Mm. She she tends to not read nonfiction as much as I do. So, so she's a little bit less like on the intellectual side and a lot more on the experiential side. Um, But she's. She's right there, you know, with me, and we talk about right. this stuff every day. Um, so i'm I'm really grateful that it hasn't put a strain on our marriage, if anything, yeah. in, in some ways it's been something we've walked through together and it's made us stronger That's awesome. um, but but like my parents and my brother and sister, her parents and her brothers and sister, they you know they're all Christian, wow. um, most of them very involved at their churches, so this has been a hard them we've had yeah. personal conversations with all of them and we we continue to do that um I think for the most part they they have they've been super loving and super kind and very like choosing to believe that God is going to reveal himself and and to that I say like yeah awesome. like <laughs> like I don't I'm not trying to be cheeky when I say I'm open to that like I I'm if God is there like I want to know about him and I want to if he's a personal God I want to know him and Mm. and I feel like it would it would reveal untoward motives if I wasn't open to it right like I can't say I can't say that I'm genuinely seeking truth and also say well I wouldn't be open to the idea of a God yeah um but I'm also stubborn and so I'm like uh i i am open to the idea of god being there i just won't i won't just manufacture that belief in my mind yeah for, for any reason so
0: yeah it's it's tough isn't it i i have a friend so i grew up in um a, a myriad of different types of christianity but i was in the charismatic world for quite a while um, and I have a friend that went to ministry school with me in the charismatic world and mm-hmm. um, also stuff. And he, he came with me one time to church a few years later and he, he, he's long kind of gone, Ah, not really gonna, um, do that anymore. And it's not where I'm at. And and I was probably in the same place, but I was still going along to church. Cause I, I, I love the community there and I really wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to make this place a better place. I wanted to have the relationships I had, but he was in there and he was like, you could see him in the worship and he was like, you know, he's like, he closed his eyes and like, like, he's like, he turns to me. He's like, Phil, he's like, like that. I could turn this on. He's like, I could go back. I could switch it on. He's like, but I just can't. I'm too, I'm too integral to what I, I, I know that it would just be me wanting this nostalgic kick of going back to what made me feel good you know they are good songs or whatever or, you know uh, i've never been particularly into christian music so i don't know about good songs but for him he said so they're good songs sure, yeah. um, but uh you know and i'm just like it's fascinating to me that pool is there and, I'm intrigued because you come from a charismatic background. In, in my work, we're doing research with people that are going through deconstruction. We're working really hard to try and create a more accurate narrative to change the kind of, sure. you know, the shit yeah. we we'll up with a lot of time and yeah. be able to turn around and go, hey, actually, let's look at the data. Did you know 34% of people that deconstruct still went to church? Did you know that X, Y, Z, you know, still believe this or that? Or, so hopefully we're going to try and change some of that narrative. Um, That's really One of the things that anecdotally I've noticed over the last kind of eight years is that when we look at how people go through this process of deconstruction, a lot of people go through a stage of quite strong agnosticism, atheism, um, even complete nihilism, and just like, oh, what is there? Is there anything? Like, sure. just really crash, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and I don't actually see that as a crashing or a negative thing. I think it's a very healthy part of the progression. Not even believing that you'll go back into Christianity or anything, just I believe it's moving forward in an intentional, sure. authentic way. Um, seeking truth Um, some people stay in those places agnosticism atheism some people become a bit more certain about certain beliefs about the divine and and start rebuilding some form of christianity or some form of faith or spirituality other people stay within atheism of some sort um but what's been fascinating to me and this is what we're hoping to include in some of our studies is we start to look at people's backgrounds and how they navigate the construction based on that it anecdotally people that are from pentecostal and charismatic experiences over the last eight years I've talked to thousands of people Hmm. tend to go through a stage of uh, that stage of being very unsure of letting go of Christianity but very rarely become atheist almost always Mm. hold on to some sort of agnosticism and I wonder if a lot of it is because it's such an experiential movement I was just
1: gonna say that
0: how have you navigated the fact I'm assuming growing up in a charismatic church you've seen things like healings and prophecies and god speaking and, and and you know different people now look back on that and and describe it differently rationalize it differently right. hold on to it differently how have you kind of navigated having a an exposure to a, a type of christianity that has been very in your face you know signs yeah. and wonders you know it's harder to go you know it's, it's easy when it's a, a very dry liturgical there wasn't anything particularly miraculous happening and going it's not much there
1: it's a lot harder in
0: my mind to let go of of those other things
1: well you know for me it's it's layered and complex so i i I did come from a very charismatic background i saw lots of things in retrospect i I don't feel like i saw anything that can't be explained Mm. um uh i don't i i you know i have heard stories of people like watching a healing in front of their eyes like someone's leg grow or something like that i've never seen anything like that um personally i've definitely like heard stories of people being positively affected in like emotional and and sort of uh psychological ways but but that can be explained too um so i i do while i was in a very charismatic uh setting i feel like i still looked at I still had a tendency to look at things fairly rationally. Um, but, but that's interesting about your point of people wanting to hold, like people from charismatic backgrounds, wanting to hold onto some sort of something.
0: Mm. And, I identify and it is with entirely that. anecdotal. Like we don't yeah. have data on this yet.
1: But... No, but I identify with mm. that. That rings true for me um, because mm. I do. I, my, my thought on that is that if you're from a liturgical background, your faith is very rational. And and then it's much easier to adopt a new purely rational point of view if your old one was purely rational too, right? Sure. And so, like, I feel like atheism, like real atheism, is is just a purely rational point of view, right? Um, or, or it seems to me to be that way. Uh, but if your faith is very tied up in experience. There's so much gray area there. Sure. That, that when, you, when you start to deconstruct it, instead of deconstructing a very coherent thing, you're, you're deconstructing these layers of, of feelings and emotions and indoctrinations. And, and what about this time? And what about that thing that happened? And mm. it's very messy. And I think sometimes in, in the middle of that whole mess of deconstructing this ball of yarn, People like myself, uh, you know, like I find myself going like pure reason isn't enough for me. You know, Mm. if you come from a more liturgical background, then pure reason might be might be like, okay, yeah, like I can I can just believe that there's no God now. I believe there was a God. Now I believe there's no God and I can live with that. I think if you're if your faith is much more experiential, then you get over to this non-believing side and you still want to experience something. Mm. And um and I find that I that I I do like and it's it's in it's in quirky moments. Like I've always I've always felt like uh, it's been a very long time since I felt like I experienced God in church. But in nature? I don't know. Like I, I, I you know I hike Diamond Head in Hawaii and I look out over like half of the island and it's beautiful and I go, Wow, well, this is spectacular. Yeah. And like I feel something. And and then I have like yesterday out of out of nowhere I had about an hour with my son, my daughter and my wife were both taking a nap. And my son was just in this really sweet mood. He's three years old. That doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) And, you know, he's only now just starting to talk more. And so we're having these little conversations and he wants to spend time with me. And it was just me and him. And it was this really special, unexpected moment. And in those moments, I find myself feeling like there's something here in this moment. Um. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. But it feels like there's something about this moment that goes deeper than just, you know, one human being interacting with, you know, an offspring. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something here that feels deeper and more meaningful and it almost feels like I'm I'm just like sort of touching the edge of something ancient and deeper than me and you know that could be any number of things you could call that you know the sacred you could call that the divine you could call that you know i'm i'm feeling a resonance with the idea of of passing on my you know my genetics to someone sure, else like yeah. there's so many ways that you could look at that um and if you're a scientist you could you could say that bond between uh, you know, a, a father and son is evolutionarily advantageous, right? You could sure. Yeah. Explain it that way that that bond it helps make survival more likely for my son. So th- that that type of a bond is going to be encouraged by evolution as we as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I I think a rational person who just wants to behave, you know, and like look at life through through reason. Could look at it that way and and that is fine i find that incomplete and i sure. find that i i want to believe there's something more going on there um and if 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 that's as as far as my belief in god is able to go right now that's not nothing yeah and and i think about that a lot but to your point Maybe that's because of my more experiential background in, in Christianity. Maybe I wouldn't look at it that way if I was raised like Lutheran or something like that.
0: Who knows? You know, I I don't yeah. know. I, I, I know that lots of people within a mainline Christianity or, or different um, groupings of Christianity outside of charismatic and Pentecostal still do. You know, there's, yeah. there's no doubt that within the human Heartbeat. I mean, long before we had Christianity, we had people going, whoa, there's something going on here, you know, like, yeah. so and, and that transcends all kind of boundaries, right? I mean, we have a part of yeah. our brain that has evolved to believe in God, in a sense. I mean, that's kind of mind blowing in a way. Um, but, you know, you go to um, a tribal community in the Amazon, you go to um, India, you go to China, you go to Africa, you, you know, you go anywhere in the world, and you're going to find people that are trying to create some
1: sort of myth um, and yeah uh that, that well, gives these, meaning
0: to these it all.
1: stories these stories that it seems that we create right um yeah. that they do help us process life yeah and you know like I was I was talking with my mom this morning and my sister actually a number of years ago had cancer and you know while she was pregnant so she went through wow. chemotherapy radiation all this stuff in her third trimester it was this crazy time for my family. Um she she survived and she's been in remission for years now. Her her baby survived and her you know her, it, she had a boy and he's 8 now. Um so, so. and like what a beautiful like thing that was in retrospect it brought our family together in a really powerful way. Mm-hmm. And my mom was was saying like I I look at that as evidence that like God makes good things out of the suffering that happens in life and and i was like awesome that's great i look at that and i wonder like if if we're using these stories to bring meaning to our lives Mm. and and maybe that sense of meaning that we bring into our own lives by telling these stories maybe that's useful and maybe that's helpful and you know from an evolutionary standpoint maybe it actually helped us survive you know um yeah so that's a weird thing all that stuff really weird because it is it is an element of like we are
0: uh one of the few animals that that seems to have um some developed sense of ego of consciousness Mm -hmm. um you could argue that different animals have different levels of maybe consciousness Uh, that's an open debate that sure yeah qualified stuff but right you know For us to have an identity as a ball of cells walking around that, that honestly is largely controlled by gut bacteria. You know, it's like we're not even in charge. It's the bacteria in our body. has gone. We found something that works, guys. Pull this string every now and again, and it'll eat. You know, like if you do this, it'll fall in love and make more kids, so our bacteria can live on. You know, yeah. It's kind of mind blowing when you start to look at the human body. You know, Um, but like you look at that and you go, yeah, some narrative would really help there. Like giving this a story, like people don't want to do so. You go ask someone to do something. What's their first question? Why? Why? Go get me this or go do that. Why? Right. I mean, that's baked in from like, you know, you you got three year old, right? So, you know, this is baked in from early age. You're you're fed up with the question. Why? By this point, probably,
1: (laughs) you know, but well, actually my son hasn't gotten to why yet. He's mostly, he's not no.
0: Okay. Yeah. He's so he's still developing his ego. Right. So he's still realizing, wait, no, I don't have to do this. You know, he's, he's a stage red, right? Yeah. There you go. He's he's gone. He's that red for sure. I don't have to be in this harmonious, you know, purple stage where I just do whatever I'm told and it's great for the common good. I could say, screw you. I'm going to do what I want. Right. And eventually he'll figure out, he says that regularly, actually. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you dad? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think it's a common thing for us to go. What's the, what's the narrative here? What's the meaning? Give me a good reason. And, And we won't do that thing if your why is kind of crappy i'm not going to do that right yeah you need to give me Mm -hmm. a good why uh if i'm going to go fight your war if i'm going to go you know whatever you better give me a really good reason for why i should do that because i don't want to overly and so the way we create narratives funneling us into different decisions and, and, and then it gets insidious right because then it is a thing of like Well, actually, who's creating wise, who's who's creating the narratives as a culture. Do we create narratives that are beneficial for some and not others or beneficial for the whole? But as individuals, we suffer, you know, when we live in a harmonious society, often everyone has to, like, take a step back and just be a part of the harmonious society. But is that good for individuals? And should we value individuals? It's it's just everything starts popping. Yes, Um, it does. But it's, it's fascinating to, to look at these things and go, Oh, you can look at them from pretty much when you've grown up in Christianity, there's only one answer to this. There's only yes. one way to explain it. Um, and you're not allowed to explore like, you know, you're just talking about evolution, right? I mean, this isn't going to happen on most Christian podcasts, you know? Right. Um, whereas that's far for course to look at that.
1: It is interesting. Like once you sort of step back to go like, wow, there's like, if you're, if you're dedicated to the idea of, um, like a literal interpretation of the Bible, as as most you know mainstream Christians are, man, you have to ignore a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like, you basically have to go to war with science, because like, and I've heard people say, "Oh, science and 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 Christianity can live together," and I'm like, they can if you're willing to get rid of a lot of the things that christians believe yeah then yeah do a can lot other yeah yeah it's like my process hasn't been so much you know like you know deconstructing one image of god into another it's more just been like asking like hey is is faith sort of something that we created in order to Explain the things we saw around us using mm-hmm. the information we had at the time, and 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 has it been useful? And and I think that I think that it largely has been. I mean, certainly it's created a lot of problems too. Like yeah, like you know, you look at the Crusades or the Inquisition, and you know, people being burned at the stake for you know being witches. Like obviously, Christianity has been used in some horrible ways but it's also it's also been really useful in in a lot of ways and you know when you think about loving people uh well if you think about sacrificing for people and making your life about others mm-hmm. um jesus in a lot of ways was a very good example of that um yeah and and so yeah i i i have a hard time throwing the entire baby and bathwater out. So I, I sort of find myself trying to sift through the bits of it, you know? Yeah.
0: Have you, have you explored, um, myths outside of, of the Jewish Christian tradition? Is that been something that you've been interested in or not? Yeah.
1: I read, um, I should tell you, I probably only have a couple of minutes left.
0: Oh yeah. Cool. We can, we can wrap up for sure. Uh, I,
1: yeah, I, I, I have a, i i figured we'd talk for maybe an hour hour and a half and and Perfect. um i have a, a thing at 10 i'm sorry
0: no problem at all we can wrap um, up for
1: sure but I'll, I'll still answer that question i just wanted to yeah i don't, you, I don't know if you'll cut that out but um
0: no, no scoop. scoop we, we can get roll i'm pretty sure uh
1: but uh oh yeah other other beliefs uh i i, I did go through a season where i was studying a lot of other religions because i was like okay well what's what about all these like these people believe this stuff as much as everyone i know believes christianity mm. um, i was really stunned to find the roots of islam being so so tied to judaism and christianity um, that was super fascinating to me um, I, I looked into the vedic texts from the hindu faith that was super interesting um buddhism probably jumped out at me the most uh, okay as being the the most useful like because it's not strictly speaking a religion it's more of a like a philosophy of life Mm -hmm. um and i think no matter whether you're christian or not i think there's a ton about buddhism that is useful um yeah and just sort of training your mind and and so uh you know, I, I had a family member make a comment during this whole deconstruction, you know, she, she was like, well, as long as you're not a Buddhist. And I, what she didn't know is at the moment I was like, I was like that's, reading all right kinds of stuff about Buddhism. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: That's funny. So, it's funny how people pick their one thing. It's like, that's the worst it could be. It's well, it just tends to be whatever they
1: fear the most, right? And yeah, And you tend to fear whatever you know the least about. Yeah. So no, that makes a lot of sense, dude.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. i really yeah. enjoyed. It.
1: I feel like we should do this again, again, and have another. Yeah. We should,
0: we branch out outside of uh, just your personal journey and into like, I love yes. the way you think. I love reading your stuff. So I'd love to explore like oh, some thanks, ideas man. and stuff. It'd be cool. Well, let's but, do um, this again. How can how can people connect with you if, if they want to follow you? Yeah. Whatever. It with tends to be Instagram. Stuffering.
1: Yeah. yeah, Instagram tends to be the the place where I'm interacting with the most people, so it's just John Steingard on Instagram, just J O N S T E I N G A R D. Cool. John Steingard in the on show Instagram. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So are you much? working on
0: any projects Are you going to write about any of your journey or are you, you I'm considering on some music
1: stuff or not music so much. Uh I'm still doing film work, uh like I'm doing like you know some music related stuff, some corporate stuff, but I am Sort of tinkering with the idea of writing a book because I love writing, um, mm. and I'm just trying to figure out what form that should be in, and uh, and also, you know, trying to make sure I'm not I'm not doing it in a reactionary way. Sure. Trying to make sure that like I f- I feel like I really know what I want to say before I take on something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah thoughts. That's, cool. that's one of the reasons I'm writing on Instagram is I'm I'm working out the writing muscle,
0: processing it's yeah. good your stuff is good it's, it really it speaks to me at least anyway so you have at least Thanks one so reader much, yeah thank <laughs> yeah. you dude thank you so much really appreciate it My we'll, pleasure. Uh, we'll stay in touch as well for sure but,
1: yeah. thank you thank
0: all you all right love you man all right Catch take you care So that was John Steingart. I love chatting with John. I think he puts a nail in the coffin in the argument that people at Deconstruct don't know what they're talking about. Very smart guy, very switched on. Clearly has spent his time trying to figure out what he believes and is still very much on a journey, as we all are, of figuring out what we believe. And I love how he holds things in tension. He holds things very open-handedly. He's not saying i have figured it out he's saying i do not know Um, and i think that's a very honest thing that ultimately every person on the planet should really realistically be saying Um, and so yeah i love chatting with him there i i gotta say guys he's been posting on instagram over the last kind of month two months and i really enjoy what he posts and so um like you said you can follow him over there it's just john j-o-n Uh, steingard s-t-e-i-n-g-a-r-d i'll put the link in the show notes as well um do follow him over there um shoot a message and let him know you really enjoyed this podcast as well it helps when uh, people let others know uh, that they enjoy the podcast it it, it encourages people to come back on It, um, it encourages them to keep doing these things to keep speaking out to keep being a voice for um what is quite often a very voiceless group. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciate that. Talking of voiceless groups, we have the deconstructionnetwork.com. Um, we're doing research on the area of deconstruction. Um, you know, so many people out there are speaking for the group that are deconstructing, and most of them are pastors, are uh, church leaders, are behind denominations, or whatever. And they're not themselves deconstructing, and they paint this group in a broad stroke that is generally speaking very inaccurate. And so we're putting out data on what deconstruction Christians are actually like um, and collecting that data to produce reports and produce um, uh, infographics and all sorts of stuff that people can use to um, clearly show through data that things are not as they are typically presented. And we hope to give a voice to people that are deconstructing uh, through that mechanism and so if you're deconstructing and you'd like to be a part of our research check out the deconstructionnetwork.com it's it wasn't originally for that purpose the primary purpose of that website of deconstructionnetwork.com is to connect people that are deconstructing it's a it's a world map with about one and a half thousand people on there it's quite new still um and basically you put yourself on the map and you can connect with other people that are in your local area send them a message get to know them maybe arrange to get together for a coffee or whatever maybe post covid um but uh yeah hopefully helping people connect because this is a really lonely journey it's a really tough journey and many people find themselves doing it alone because they are um kicked out of the church disconnected from friends disconnected from family even and so this can be a great way for you to find people in your local area that are going through similar things to understand what you're going through and uh and make new friends and, and connect and um yeah I think that's a a really great opportunity so do check out deconstructionnetwork.com all my stuff is always free so you know there's no price tag or there's no con in this it's just a opportunity to connect with people um talking about all my stuff being free if you love what I'm doing if you love that it's free I do this full-time I have no other income um if you'd like to help me pay the bills um you can do that by giving five dollars or more a month over at thegracecourse.com that's my main kind of website for patreon kind of uh style giving um and that makes a huge difference and there's loads and loads of free teaching over there as well if you want to go check that out um but that's all for me uh for this episode again do shoot john a message and let him know how much you love this episode uh if you've made it this far and uh, i will see you in the next episode next week cheers